Thank you so much, Shirley and Caden, for reading our scripture today. I always enjoy just seeing the different faces of our congregation reading our scripture. So I'm Josiah Chang, and I'm the pastor of student ministries here. And I thought it would be very fitting for me to introduce a popular video game series and TV show that's among the kids, and it's called Pokemon. So for all of those who don't know what that is, I'm going to explain this to you, or you can ask your kids or somebody, but this is a very popular series, so you should know it. Well, Pokemon, its main character, his name is Ash Ketchum, and his goal is to be a Pokemon master. And how he achieves this goal is by battling other trainers and using his Pokemon to make the other trainers' uh, Pokemon faint. Now, some of you might be thinking this might be some animal abuse or it might not be the best thing, but never fear. They have this amazing thing called a Pokemon Center that heals the Pokemon and makes them good as new. So anyways, Ash, he has one of his favorite Pokemon and his Pokemon's name is Pikachu. Well, Ash and Pikachu, they have to work in synchronization and communication in being able to win these battles. So Ash will tell Pikachu to use a specific move, and Pikachu has to use that move, and uh, he has to do it quickly. And they're supposed to be in sync in order to beat their opponents. Well, their relationship reminds me of our relationship with God, where we, like Pikachu, have to listen to God who commands us. And when we listen to him and quickly, we find success. So that brings the question, how do we communicate with God? Now, I know that a lot of you are used to shouting at your TVs during sports events and when there's a game winner or anything like that. So use this time to do the same thing. So interact with me. Um, I know I can't hear you, but uh, I'll pretend that I can. So how do we communicate with God? That's right. We communicate with God through prayer. And in our passage today, we're going to see that we need to be praying in all situations. In all situations, we need to be praying. Well, in our passage, right before it, you see that Jesus was transfigured um, on top of a mountain, and his disciples are starting to recognize him as the Savior And before that, he sent out his disciples into the different villages where they went and did miracles, they cast out demons, and did many miraculous things and shared the gospel, the good news. So that brings us to our passage. We're at Mark 9, verses 14 through 29. And I'm just going to read a certain passage, so follow along with me. Again, that's Mark 9, 14 through 20 is what I'm going to read right now. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. 
I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Now, put yourselves in this situation. Step into this story. So, as Jesus and his disciples are descending a mountain, they see this large crowd. So there's a large crowd around uh, the disciples and the scribes, and it, it seems like a fight is about to happen. So the crowd is gathering, and they're ready for this fight. You can almost hear them chanting, fight, fight, fight. And as Jesus is approaching, somebody sees him and says, hey, look, there's a master. And then all of a sudden, there's this quiet. All heads look towards Jesus, and then there's this excitement that's building up. And as Jesus comes closer, you can feel that this crowd, there's a a sense of anticipation. It's sort of like when you're at an NBA game and or watching one, and you can expect that basketball player to sink that three-pointer or to dunk. And there's just all this anticipation, and they're ready for Jesus to perform this miracle. And so Jesus comes up to them and asks them, what are you arguing about? And we find out that the disciples were not able to cast out this demon of the son that's been afflicting the son. And so this brings me to my first point, that when we pray, God answers no. And, you know, when we hear that no, it it can be very shocking. Um, I'm sure the father was just very dismayed at this point. And it reminds me of a, a situation that I ran to my first year in college. And so this was summer of my first year. I decided to get my driver's permit. And I know it's a little bit late for most people, but in California, you can get around pretty easily without driving a car. Um, so I went to the DMV with my sister, and this particular summer was very difficult for me because I did not do well in college my first year, and so my grades were really bad. <laughs> and I had this mentality that uh, I wasn't very good at school. And so one of the things I hated and that really made my grades go down was multiple choice tests. And I found out that the driving permit test is a multiple choice test. So I studied, was ready. My sister and I took the test. She found her results first, and she was ecstatic. She passed. Now, I took my test, and I was waiting for my results, and I was praying, asking God, begging him, uh, making deals that if I pass, I'll pray 20 times or something like that. Um, But God said no, (laughs) and I failed. Uh, And I didn't, I wasn't even close uh, to passing. And that just, uh, it really took a toll on me because uh, of what's been going on through the year. And a lot of my friends that were so excited to pass their tests and saying how easy it was, they didn't even study. But for me, I studied a lot and didn't pass. In fact, I I took it again and I failed again. Um, And this test was supposed to be so easy. Um, But Eventually, you know, God allowed me to pass the third time, but 
the first time, I, I didn't know, why did God say no to my prayers? Well, we see that prayer helps us to be reminded of how we need to work with God. Again, prayer helps us to be, rem- helps us to be reminded of how we need to work with God. In this situation, I think that God was really trying to work in my own character and spirit of humbling me. Because in high school, I didn't study very much, and I was able to coast through and get into a good college. And I was just very blessed by God and didn't really recognize that blessing. And so that might be one of the answers of why God said no. Um, But this reminds me of Philippians 4.13, and it says this, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. In this verse, you can see that there's a lot that we can do, but it's through God. It is God who gives us strength to do what we can do. And so if you have been praying about something and have been getting the answer no, uh, one thing I really encourage you to do is to take some time and reflect on that. Why, why did God say no to my prayers? Why is he still allowing this to happen? Well, if you're not a natural uh, person that reflects on things, uh, feel free to talk with a friend, verbal process out loud. You can talk to me. You can give me a call if you really need some help figuring out why does God say no to my prayers. In the next section, we see that when we pray, God answers, wait. When we pray, God answers, wait. And this is Mark 9, verses 21 through 24. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus. Everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Well, back in verse 20, we saw that the boy was brought to Jesus, and immediately the spirit threw the boy onto the ground, and he was in convulsions, uh, foaming at the mouth. Now, again, put yourself in this situation. If you saw a kid on the ground, Doing, having seizures, wouldn't you feel a, a sense of urgency? Um, but Jesus, he, he instead starts a discussion with the father, and the boy's just on the ground convulsing. In this situation, I, I think God was clearly saying, wait. And further on, um, from childhood, we find out that the son has been afflicted with this evil spirit. And that's got to be at least a couple of years. Now, imagine your friends, any children, schoolmates, um, anybody at a young age who has been dealing with even health problems, maybe not even a, a spiritual possession, but health problems, and it's been a couple of years. And at this point, the father, I, I can imagine him not really having much faith. It's been so long. I mean, COVID-19, it's been a couple of months, but it feels like years. And this little boy had this problem for years. And God says, wait. Well, 
I think whenever God tells me to wait, I always remember verse 24, where the father exclaims, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And I, I think that's something that we all can do. If you're struggling with faith or belief, that you can pray the same prayer. God, I believe, but can you help me with my unbelief? Help me overcome it. Some of you might be just frustrated waiting on the different ways of God answering our prayers. And uh, that might even look like how we've been handling COVID as a uh, country, uh, how we have been handling racial reconciliation during this time. And there's so many people frustrated. They can't even wait anymore because of how long it's been. And that's completely understandable. And the Bible gives us some words to share with God, to voice our frustrations. And another prayer that I, I found helpful was in Psalm 88. Again, that's Psalm 88. And as I'm reading this, please follow along. Try to listen to the words and see if it strikes a chord in your soul, in your emotions. And I know that some of you might claim that, I only have 3% emotions that I feel. So for those of you, please dig deep and look into your soul, look into your emotional state and try to see what this psalmist has been feeling. All right, so it's Psalm 88. It says, Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you know your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness and destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth, I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your tears and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your tears have destroyed me. All day long, they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. Now, I wanted to show that prayer to you uh, because of um, the ways that this gives us words. And uh, John Stark says it best in this quote. He says, this is a prayer for the troubled. Derek Kidner says, the very presence of this psalm in the Bible shows us that God hasn't abandoned those who are full of trouble and despair. I'll say that again. God hasn't abandoned those who are full of trouble and despair, but that he is still with them. He wrote this psalm because he knows how men speak when they are desperate, men and women. Psalm 88, 
is God's way of giving us words when we don't have any, or maybe when we are fearful to express what we are thinking. When we pray, God answers, wait. One of the things that you know, my family and I have been struggling with that God has said wait to is uh, my mother-in-law's cancer. It's, she was diagnosed with cancer in March 2017, and it's been a, a journey of ups and downs. But I, I know that whenever I'm struggling, whenever I, I don't understand why God's allowing her to be afflicted with this disease, I can pray, God, help my unbelief. Help me to overcome it. And I, I look at this Psalm 88 and also see ways that, words that I can share with God that's on my heart. Well, we're coming into the next section, and in this section, it's the best answer you could hear. When we pray, God answers, yes. This is Mark 9, 25 through 29. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit, you deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. I think that Jesus here is reminding the disciples at that end of where this can only come out by prayer, that we have to work in partnership with God, where we need to be in communication with God. And through that, we are then able to overcome what we can't do alone. Same with the disciples. They, they've been traveling, they've done exorcisms before, but maybe they got a little too ahead of themselves. Maybe this is God's way of telling them, hey, remember, I was the one who gave you the ability to do this. That I'm here partnering with you. It's not all your glory. It's my glory. Well, on, um, there is this very famous figure that is a good example of this. And he, he's a strong prayer warrior. And his story is a great story of where God says yes. And he prays and communicates with this figure. So his name is George Mueller. And I'm going to read a a little excerpt that I found. So night was falling over the harbor of Bristol, England. And in the orphanage founded by George Mueller and his wife, the children were getting ready for bed. George was working in his study when his wife arrived with alarming news. We're out of milk, she said. There isn't enough for the morning oatmeal. George laid aside his pen. This wasn't the first time that money needed to buy food and other supplies was tight. The Mueller's took in their first group of 30 girls in 1836, and their orphanage now housed over 100. From the first, George remained resolved never to ask for funds from people or to borrow money. He went to God alone for every need, trusting wholly in the Lord's faithfulness engine. The pastor rose from his desk and reached for his wife's hand. Mary, he said, let us pray. Two orphanage employees joined them, and together they made their humble yet necessary requests to God. Tiny helpless mouths were depending on them for sustenance. Be assured, if you walk with him and look to him and expect help from him, George reminded them afterwards, he will never fail you. Someone knocked on the door. Mary hurried to answer, returning to the study a moment later. She handed her husband an envelope 
It's a letter, George. Hurry up and open it. Enclosed was a sum of money, more than enough for the milk. Within minutes, two more letters arrived with money and pledges of support. This immediate and abundant response to prayer had become a typical experience for Mueller. After he came to faith and started meditating seriously on the Bible, he determined to simply trust God at his word. As a pastor, he decided to live without a salary, relying only on money given to him. George learned to pray faithfully from his heart, asking his father to move the hearts of men so that they would supply him and his family with what they needed to survive. Now, George, he is an exceptional example of a Christian trusting in God and communicating through prayer. But, you know, I think that we can learn a lot from his example. We can look up to this example and see that it's attainable. And, yeah, I think that George had a great sense of faith and trust in God. And that's something that we should strive for as well. Well, I I want you to think of your loved ones, friends at school or work, and anyone else that is missing out. Now, picture that person in your head. Um, And what you're missing out on is the opportunity to hear God say yes to their prayers. So what would it be like for that friend to experience that? What would it be like for them to experience God saying yes to their prayers? Well, we heard from this passage that God answers no, God answers wait, and God answers yes to our prayers. And throughout it all, we need to be praying in all situations. I know that some of you might not have prayed before, or some of you are kind of out of practice. And prayer is a muscle that needs to be practiced. And for those of you who don't know what it is, feel free to ask your friends that are Christians, or one of the staff members, or even me, uh, ask us how that's done, and we'll show you. And for those of you who just tend to forget, one pastor told me that what he does is he puts paper clips in his right pocket, or pennies, and he transfers it to his left pocket every time he prays. And so you can be praying throughout the day and be reminded through that simple practice. Now, some of you are huge with cell phones and love technology, and you can set reminders on your phone as easily as that. But I invite anybody to come and join me in a time of prayer on Thursdays from 10 to 11 a.m. So I will probably send an email out with a Zoom invite, and during this time, I'm going to be praying from 10 to 11. And you can join me if you have something on your heart or if there's something that you need to be prayed for. Uh, please join me. And I'm going to end with this. Uh, this is a quote, again, from John Stark. And he says, Prayer exposes what God is doing. It shapes us into people who know how to be patient with his work. Prayer keeps us in step with him. Again, prayer keeps us in step with him. Please join me now for a time of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to be able to pray with you, to be able to lift up our concerns, our desires, Lord, and the things that we're struggling with. And we thank you, God, that you are able to answer us giving us a yes, a no, maybe, or wait. And Lord, we ask that you'd help us to discern when you say no, when you say wait, and to be patient, God, 
we really ask that you would be able to just form our hearts in this way. And we pray, Lord, for all those who've been struggling during this time of COVID-19, those who've been struggling uh, with all the, the racial reconciliation and injustice that's been happening across the country. And just even in this world, Lord, the injustice that's very prevalent. So Lord, we ask and lift these things up to you in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now listen, trust in the maker of all creation. Honor God with an enormous faith and extend yourselves in love. For no one lives beyond the Spirit's reach. Our Lord Jesus Christ be with you to defend you, within you to keep you, before you to lead you, beside you to guard you, and above you to bless you. Amen.